Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of XP Gains. My name is McThane, and I'm here with my guru and co-host... Mr. Silverstrike. Damn right. And today, we are going to begin what we are calling the Janitor's Waltz. This is our set of cleanup episodes for the last few random genres that we haven't really been able to talk about, but ones that we have found a niche selective love for once in a blue moon or some things that we like but just don't manage to play all the time somehow it never quite ends up on the top of our gaming list so today we're going to be talking about MOBAs we're going to be talking about sports games fighting games racing games and a peppering of a few other things as usual if you know us by now you know that we like to go off on the odd tangent and get a little bit under the hood and down and dirty with a few random ideas as well have I forgotten anything, Mr. Silverstrike? As usual, that's a negative, sir. You've got everything. Enjoy the episode, everyone. Enjoy. We're going to talk about a lot of games that we have a very selective interest in today. These are the kind of games we definitely play and we definitely are interested in and really enjoy when we enjoy them. But these are the kind of games that there's maybe one game that comes out every few years or in, in my case, every five years or possibly even longer that really grabs my attention and makes me want to play this kind of genre. The rest of the time, I'm not really feeling it. Are you pretty much in the same boat? Is that reasonable to say about most of these things we're going to talk about right now? I would say so, yes. The only exception being perhaps racing games. I'm going to be honest, man. I'm not super excited about most of these. I don't play most of these very often. I think it's fair to say, with the exception of racing games, which you have announced very clearly, yes. uh, you probably don't play most of these very often either, but every now and again, there's one or two titles that really grab your attention. So that is correct. Be forewarned. Yeah. Be forewarned, listener, that this is not going to be a long talk about all the games that we like in these categories. A lot of these we distinctly don't like, but didn't really want to leave out either because every now and again, there's something that really, really excites us about these groups. So Yes. I think let's go ahead and start with sports games. Yes, sports games. Do you want to kick off? Knock it out of the park, buddy. I I can't come up with a with a pun. Oh my god, this is a this is awful. Oh man. Mine was so much of a home run. <laughs> oh, I'm all over this, man. This is beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Touchdown. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't really related. Anyway, okay, so let's talk about sports games. In the sports category, I think the most well-known franchises are probably FIFA and Madden. Well, there's also stuff like, um, I can't remember the name of the series, but it's the NBA games are really big as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, NBA, yeah, as mm -hmm. well. I think that's really huge. I think those are the three biggest franchises that for some reason get an annual release. Well... I think I suspect that it's mostly because EA would like to make more money because a lot of these sports games have been for some time now essentially modeling the current monetization processes that we've been referring to as being so toxic in other games where they've shown up. Yes, exactly. So actually it was with uh, FIFA packs that this entire uh, monetization and loot box system began. It was uh, originally an experiment of the current CEO of EA Mm -hmm. who was originally tasked with uh, finding a new monetization model. And he is going all in on this um, loot box system. And the way it is implemented in FIFA, for example, the way it is, um, it is you purchasing packs with players and players from a roster and you want to collect the best players. It's been that way for a very long time. So that was kind of... Um, one of the first titles to do it and it was it worked yeah so when when exactly did this start um i actually suspected that this was uh, one of the basketball games before it was um what's it called fifa mm -hmm. or was it was was fifa the first one or i i don't know specifically because i i actually don't play any of these games so i can't tell you yeah i think the last time i played one of those was round at a friend's house when i was a teenager Mm, um, yeah. Legitimately, I have never seen the point of playing football in a video game. Yeah. Well, me neither, buddy. If I would like to play football, I'll go out and play football. And I do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm speaking here of world football. I would not, not really risk my, uh, my bodily health playing American football. I think that's, uh, that's dangerous. <laughs> but unless you know the people you're playing with and you trust them. Um, 
but yeah, I, I would never join a league or something like that for American football. I think that's a terrifying prospect, to be perfectly honest. Rugby. Rugby is a different thing. Um, in a, in typical fashion, I think this is really interesting, um, but we're talking about real sports just for a moment. Uh, I have heard I have heard the saying that uh, football, meaning world football, football is a game for gentlemen played by barbarians and rugby is a game for barbarians played by gentlemen, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. That is actually very insightful. I, I think it's actually quite quite poignant, actually. Anyway, that's just an interesting aside. But uh, the important stuff really is video games. We all know that video games are what makes the world go round and, and video games. So apparently somebody one day thought, oh man, I have a great idea. We are going to make a game about sports so that people don't actually have to go work out anymore. Yeah, so that you can sit on your butt without actually playing football and still play football. Now you can be very skilled at football and tennis and rugby without actually being skilled and putting in effort. Well, I don't know. It's just, it's a different kind of skill. Instead of being skilled at playing football, you're skilled at moving your thumbs. <laughs> you have to be very skilled for that. Obviously an equivalent sport. But anyway, um, yeah. So basically, if anyone hasn't guessed by now, we're not really that interested in this particular genre. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a few reasons why that I would like to point out. I mean, if you haven't figured it out yet from you know what we've been talking about so far, I find it to be just stupid to play a game that is not physical. It's very physical in real life, but it isn't, of course, in the virtual world. Well, especially when it's something that you can so easily do. Yes, exactly. So... I played tennis for the better part of six, seven years. I've stopped a few years ago due to studying uh, in another city. So the tennis club was far away and there was not a lot of time for me to actually go out and, and play some tennis. So I ended up no longer playing the game, um, the actual sport, uh, essentially. Oh man, that's disappointing. A few years earlier, while I was still playing tennis, uh, I tried... A bunch of tennis games. Oh no! I think these were mostly demos on on my PlayStation. I believe uh, this was uh, in the PlayStation Three era, and I think I may have played the demo on my PSP as well. And I played the demos for a very short time, and then I fully realized, man, this is absolutely terrible compared to the real thing. And I've never been much of a football fan myself, so I've never enjoyed those games. So there's always been the silver who thought, man, these games are useless. And then lately, in the last decade or so, they've been really adding multiplayer modes, rehashing their games with just minor tweaks to the visuals and to the, to the mechanics, just putting in maybe a new roster of players. It feels like a cash grab. It is a cash grab. In my opinion, I mean, I understand that there's people who enjoy playing the latest FIFA, but it's not for me at all. And quite frankly, if you have to ask me, there's much better games you can play that are a much better use of your time than playing FIFA on your PlayStation. That actually reminds me, there's a quote unquote, I'm not sure if you would call this a sports game, but there's one game that's kind of sportsy that got really popular on PlayStation and also later on PC that has a ball, two goals, but it's not an imitation of the real sport. It's you driving around with cars and you're trying to score. It's Rocket League. I don't think you could call that a true sports game, but maybe it's a hybrid between a kind of a racing and sports game. And that is actually fun because it is unique. And it is, it has a bunch of cool mechanics. Well, that's really kind of the point of video games, isn't it? I mean, we, we've talked about a lot about this, about how much we value immersion and all, all these other things. But I think one of the things that we've always picked up on with regards to immersion, with regards to the experience and the gameplay and so on and so forth, is about the quality of doing something that is different and unique when compared with experiences that you can have in real life. And I think we've also both agreed that there are a lot of things you can do in real life that you just, you can't do in a video game. You can't hang out with friends in the same way in a video game that you can in real life. It's, it's just- It's just not the same. No, it's just one of those things. You need the FaceTime. Yes. The real 
you know, <laughs> flesh and blood experience of doing that. And, and part of that is the sports game. And so this is where like you're talking about Rocket League and I think that is something kind of different and it's wild and it's extreme and it's unpredictable and that's one of the things that makes it fun because it's not something, I mean, holy shit, I can't jump in a pickup truck and go and front flip a gigantic football into a ridiculously massive goal anywhere in the world, can I, <laughs> you know? So besides Rocket League, I would you put it in the sports category? I would put Rocket League in the sports-like category because I think it has that sports feel. You're in an arena, you have goals, you're hitting a ball into something. It is a game that does not dress up the fact that it is a game. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yes. That like makes when sense. you're playing The Witcher, that's a game, but it, it very well disguises and it takes great pains to immersively disguise the fact that it is a game. Realistically, Geralt could be a bunch of gray pixels on the screen and you could basically be playing a timing game while red pixels come at you and move around you and various other things. And these represent the enemies. And then you could have, you know, pure text sections and so on and so forth. But that's why we have soundboards. That's why we have graphics is to help immerse us in that, that feel. I mean, really, if you want to look back over gaming's, you know, storied and, and diverse history, the age of text adventures really was an incredible time because there were a lot of people who were making immense amounts of gameplay out of a black screen with letters on it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's something we, I would almost say it's a lost art today, but I also happen to be involved in a lot of, you know, tabletop role play myself. And I know that that's not, that's not gone at all. They have, uh, they have diverged. And there's still definitely a few very story rich games out there. Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah, very, very so. recently, Pillars of Eternity 2 released, ah, yeah. and mm -hmm. it has received rave reviews in terms of story, and it is a, a significant improvement over the first game. So, um, Really? Okay. And yeah. the first one got good reviews as well. Mm -hmm. It definitely did, but some people were, were lukewarm about it, but the general consensus seems to, to be that this is an improvement on an already good game. So... I actually am very interested to try it out. Um, I was yeah, one of the yeah, uh, of the backers on Fig, which was the crowdfunding platform that they started specifically for that game. Okay. Because I, why, I actually why start, wait. Why why did they start a platform just for that one? Um, because they wanted to give uh, backers who backed a lot of money um, the option to get a, a specific share of the profits. So if you backed for a lot of money, you could actually get a percentage of the um, of the revenue that comes in from the game. Okay, that's an interesting model. And that was simply not possible with Kickstarter. So yeah, there you go. Anyway, not to drift too far away from our sports genre, the beloved sports genre. I was going to say let's just throw the genre out of the out of the window and let's move on. But it appears you still have something to say. I was actually going to ask about SSX, the snowboarding game, where you do absolutely insane tricks that often involve physics-defying stunts with your snowboard oh, magically yeah. floating around you, even though there's absolutely <laughs> nothing to keep it there. Don't right. get me wrong. This is not me knocking it. I really enjoyed uh, several of these games. It started with, uh, with Tricky, and then I also really enjoyed uh, SSX3. Um, I haven't really played it much since then. I recognize that both of those games are uh, quite aged now, but nonetheless, I still have a long-standing respect and good memories of the series. There's definitely similar games out there today, so. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know, but I mean, I'm assuming you'd class those as sports or sports-like, at least. Yeah, I think I would put them in, in that category, yes. I think that's kind of an interesting one as well, though, because it's it's, again, it's a hyperbole of a sport. It's nothing like a real sport would be. I mean, there is, of course, real life snowboarding, which includes jumps and tricks and various other things. But I mean, the stuff that you see in, in SSX is completely wild and out there. Yeah, I think that makes the genre more interesting for us, at least. Just don't give us some realistic, boring stuff. <laughs> I feel like this is one of the things that makes video games great in general. Imagine if you had to do the chores that you have to do in le in real life. You, imagine you had to do those chores in video games. Um, clean up your room and um, make food every evening. You know, when you're playing a, a role-playing game and, and you finally, you, you've gone out on an adventure, you went to hunt some lions and then you have to go home 
and you have to pass to all the shops and prepare food and clean the house and do stuff like that, that would totally be frustrating. You have roaches again. Oh, damn it. I hate this one. The minigame is just awful. <laughs> yeah. Or there's yeah, a, an incursion of rats in your home every evening. Oh, geez. Terrible, yeah. terrible. Yeah, no. this is what happens when you play a medieval <laughs> game set in medieval times. Yeah. Too bad, buddy. This kind of makes me... Uh, something something about the way you started that with, uh, this is what I, I think makes great games great in general. Mm -hmm. And I immediately had a thought after that, um, which was totally divergent from yours. I think that's really, really great. I think it's fantastic that as much as we don't really appreciate a lot of the sports games and we kind of think, well, you know, if you want to play football, go out and play football. I mean, why does it, why does it matter if you're playing football, quote unquote, as Ronaldo? Like who, who cares? It's just a graphical representation of Ronaldo. <laughs> it's not really Ronaldo. But anyway, um, even though we don't appreciate that, the beauty of, of the gaming industry is that there are a lot of people who do and they can play those games and really enjoy them and get into it and say, oh yeah, you know, I can build my dream team. I can do all these things and I can enjoy playing the game as though I was a professional footballer, even though I'm not. And so in a lot of ways, it's kind of a, a wish fulfillment type thing. And I, oh yeah, definitely. I think this is where, yeah, yeah, I think you and I get our enjoyment from where it breaks from reality, but a lot of these people enjoy the idea of actually being there. And maybe that's part of it. Yeah. This is maybe where the mm -hmm. enjoyment of, of simulation games comes from as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I, I think that's I've, definitely a component. I've got a friend who really enjoys playing um, like lorry driver simulation games. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah, big yeah. semi-trucks. Mm -hmm. yeah. Euro truck simulator, right? Yeah, exactly. Right on, right on. And uh, he, he says that he finds it really enjoyable because you can play a video game that has none of the stress, none of the pressure of a real job but you can enjoy the feeling of a natural progression as you build up your cargo and you get a new truck and then you get several trucks and you get different drivers. But the actual process of the driving is often very easy paced and it's very therapeutic a lot of the time. It, it actually is. I've actually played Euro Truck Simulator for a few hours as well. Really? Okay. Yeah, I have. Interesting. So what was, what was your experience like? Yeah. It's it's indeed very relaxing. It's it's kind of surprising, but it is very relaxing. And one of the cool things about the game is that you you can also enable the radio on your truck, oh, that's and cool. you are listening to actual radio where you're currently driving, and that is just awesome because it you're listening to the actual radio that you would be listening to if you were in a car or in an actual truck at this very moment. Um, and you there's various different modes of immersion so you can put it on a very realistic mode and if you run a red light who boy you got some trouble buddy <laughs> so <laughs> it's wow. um okay. yeah it's it's a very hardcore game if you want it to be uh it's a simulation game and very very uh, true to true to the genre almost like flight simulator and i i also played a bunch of flight simulator back in the day and that was fun too i yeah um, i think my uncle actually he was always really into real life stuff and honestly i think if he had grown up in the age of video games that were graphically presented. I think he would have been really into things like flight sims and mm -hmm. yeah. um, more of the simulation oriented racing games like F1, things like that. Um, and he got me the F15 uh, simulator at one point. I think I was about 10 years old and oh, I yeah. have to confess, I did not appreciate it. I, I did not, I did not appreciate it at all <laughs> because I was trying to fly a fighter jet with a keyboard and oh, that was really, yeah. really, yeah, yeah. really Difficult. hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And eventually I got so fed up with it that I was not going to play it at all. And I think partly out of me trying to convince my mom that it was worth doing and partly because my mom did not want my uncle's gift to go to waste, we actually went out and bought me a, a very cheap joystick, <laughs> um, like a pilot style joystick. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun messing around with that. Mostly, uh -huh. you know, with my friends, pretending that I was blowing them up while sitting on the floor. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, also playing that game, and it was kind of interesting having. Again, as I say, I, I don't appreciate. I didn't really appreciate it at the time, but I, yeah, limited ammunition, limited missiles, and then having this really complicated interface and things like that. It was, um, yeah, I could understand now as an older person, why you might appreciate that and why it might be interesting to think this is what a real pilot sees. It's really cool. I um, I played a, 
I think my first interaction with Flight Simulator was actually in a um, in a kind of um, technology park. We we have a technology park not too far from home, from my home. Um, and one of the main attractions was um, they basically modeled the um, the nose of a of an airplane, and it's in this building, and they have a massive monitor in there, and you can fly a Boeing 747, so it's a commercial airplane, and you have to take off and land it. And when I when I first played this, of course, this was back in the day, so this was Windows 95, and the, the graphics were hella blocky, you know? <laughs> it, it later on got me playing the demo version of um, Flight Simulator 10, so that's the, the last Flight Simulator game that Microsoft really put out. It's available for cheap on the Steam store if you want it. But there's lots of mods for that too. But I play the demo, and one of the things, and I can still vividly remember this, is I ha I had a joystick as well, so I was you know really hyped for this game. And the demo version had two missions, and one of the missions was a landing in um, in the Caribbean, mm -hmm. but it was on one of those islands with a very short runway. So the challenge was ah, yeah, okay. to make sure you would land, but not actually run off the runway <laughs> and uh, <laughs> fall into the sea. Man, that sounds totally crazy. So you had to lower your, your airspeed. You had to use your flaps correctly. You had to find the right approach. Make sure your wheels touch down at the right time. And then if you would break and your flaps were all right, then you would make it. And it would be, it was awesome because I remember <laughs> doing that 15 times. And then that final time I put it down and I must have been <laughs> five meters from from the edge of this island but i did it i landed and I, it was amazing and, one of those um, physically stand up from your chair and just go yes, yes! <laughs> kind of moments exactly yeah. i've always yeah, loved fantastic. airplanes i wanted to be a pilot when i was a kid but i don't have the uh the perfect eyesight so i yeah I you know, that's do something it. that kills a lot of people that's uh, what stopped my uncle from becoming a pilot as well yeah yeah but yeah at least i got to do a, <laughs> a landing in the caribbean <laughs> Yeah, there you and go. And then man. I uh, that that actually got me the the full game. I I bought the full game and I I, I did a bunch of flights and the the tutorials I found to be very enjoyable because they teach you how to properly take off and they teach you how to use the actual panels in the the aircraft in the 3D cockpit. It's really crazy. Right. So wait, do you need to, is it like a point and click event adventure almost where you're, you're looking around inside the cockpit and you need to flip all the switches manually? Well, you need or? to, yeah, yeah. You need to flip a few switches for sure. Uh, I was kind of surprised by how few switches you actually need to operate to just make it off the runway. It's mm -hmm. surprisingly few. And I mean, there's a lot of lights out there, but there's a lot of different buttons that do a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And I think I'm not sure any pilots may correct me if they're listening to this podcast, but for from what I gathered from the game, you actually won't need the majority of your buttons because those will only be necessary if the automatic system fails or if you need to make a manual correction, yeah. So most of the time you'll be flying with your autopilot engaged and you may need to deal with turbulence and stuff like that. But for the most part, uh, the, the difficult part of flying is act the actual theory that you need to study and the stuff you need to know and the amount of hours that you need to practice with the plane the yeah. actual flying is is not too bad uh, of course when you start talking about jet fighters that's a whole different story because you need to be able to handle the g's and there's all kinds of weird and wacky things that happen to you when you're in a plane and you start doing combat maneuvers um i kind of miss I, I wish microsoft would bring out or like make a new flight simulator game with modern graphics, but to do that at this scale, I think is just very difficult. So mm -hmm. I don't know how much you can improve upon the formula nowadays. I think you could do it a, a fair bit, but there's other well, companies yeah. that have, have made simulators as well, but yeah. I think really what you're talking about is just modernizing it really. Mm -hmm. Yes. The core gameplay would probably be very similar because it's mm -hmm. based on something that hasn't changed. Yeah, but there's all kinds of UI wacky stuff in, in that game that definitely can be better. This is a game from the Windows Vista days. So yeah, that's uh, a decade ago for sure. So about 12, 
12 years ago, I think. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. man, was it really that long ago? It still feels like a fresh wound. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> but that's a different podcast. So anyway, moving on, uh, what else do we have to talk about today? We had sports games and what else did we have? We have racing games. We briefly we mentioned, do. of course, Rocket League, um, which is, it has at least 15% racing DNA in it because there's nitrous and stuff in there. So yeah, there's a lot fun. of crazy stuff in that game. <laughs> so generally speaking, there's two kinds of race games. There's the realistic ones, and then there's the ones that just go crazy and are a lot of fun yeah so what yeah why don't you bring us into this category then or or both of these categories because you seem to be a a, a big fan of racing games you yes well that. i'm more i'm more a fan of the crazy games okay so is that like what burnout and stuff like that or? yes burnout um what's interesting is microsoft has the forza franchise and they have both genres actually they have the regular forza which is a motorsport, right? Forza Motorsport, which is the realistic setting. You race on a track with realistic drift and um, the latest cars. It's really cool. It's visually stunning. And mm -hmm. then there's Forza Horizon, which is just a stunning, same graphics. But instead of racing on a track, you're racing out in the countryside or in an open world, basically. And you are free to do jumps and all kinds of stuff. It's really cool. Was that the one that we were watching you streaming at one point? Yes, that was Forza Horizon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I remember you doing all kinds of really weird and wonderful things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was it? You were driving around in a Lamborghini doing jumps over some kind of ancient ruins or something ridiculous. Yes. Um, they yep, really yep, go that out. Was me. They go all out in, in that game. They made a DLC for Forza Horizon with Hot Wheels. So you can drive around in oh, wow. life-sized Hot Wheels cars. It's yes. amazing. It's really A thousand cool. times, yes. <laughs> so for example, the first, the opening mission of, of Forza Horizon 3, which is the latest entry in the series right now, um, I'm pretty sure they're going to be announcing a new one at E3 this year. But so far, that's what we've got. And there's a really cool demo uh, on the store as well. And that's how I uh, actually got into Forza, is I tried the demo, and the first mission is literally you. They put you in a in a small buggy, and they say, there's a helicopter. You are going to outrace the helicopter. <laughs> yes. So there's a, the, the helicopter follows a certain path, and you have to just make sure you're faster than the helicopter. And I was very amused. Wow. Was this anything like the helicopter that we experienced in... Um ghost recon wildlands do you remember that when we were racing around in the countryside and i had that obsession i had that fixation oh, with getting yeah. that stupid truck or though no it was the sports car i was chasing the sports car in this ridiculous truck <laughs> i couldn't catch it and then eventually i think i did catch it but it was nearly destroyed by that point and then you showed up in a helicopter which you got from somewhere and started yeah. trying to shoot my car oh man so forza horizon is a really fun game <laughs> wow that segue. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I find them more boring, but I totally can understand that car fanatics really love the more realistic genre. I'm thinking about Assetto Corsa as well, which which was released not too long ago. And these are very realistic. There's people who buy these steering wheels and uh, these pedals. And uh, if you have those, man, that's really cool to drive that mm -hmm. way. It's, it's also really difficult too. So um, there's a yeah. definite challenge in there, but if you don't want to put your life on the line and you don't want to pay a lot of money to drive a very expensive yeah. car, this is the best you can do. And it's actually kind of affordable uh, in comparison. Yeah, yeah. So, Well, buying like a bucket racing seat and a high quality gaming steering wheel and a set of pedals and so on is a lot cheaper than buying a Lambo. That's exactly. for sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And also you can crash the Lambo in the game. You, you can't really do that in real life. Well, that's some well, serious uh, repercussions. <laughs> not in not in real life, no, just in real death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Let's face it, man. You crash a Lambo, chances aren't great for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, well, I don't know, actually. It's not to say that Lambos or, or any other kind of sports car is not safe. In fact, a lot of them are way more safe than normal. But yeah, if you wrap the thing around a lamppost at, you know, like... 300 kilometers an hour, like chances are you're not going to do very well out of that. Okay, so shall we move on from racing? Have we covered racing? I think we have. Or did you want to? Um, yeah, okay. I don't think you have anything special to say about racing games. 
No, no. I would say that in general, I'm a fan of racing games. I tend to enjoy racing games definitely a lot more than sports games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because uh, like you're saying, I can't afford a sports car and I'm definitely not alone in that. Uh -huh, yeah. And so this, this feeling of driving around at really extreme speeds in a really cool car yeah, I can kind of get behind that idea. And especially when you're talking about the more crazy games where yeah, you're constantly exactly. doing jumps and getting turbos and crazy other things. Um, and I, I would include games like Mario Kart. I mean, that's oh, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, definitely. probably my wife's favorite game. Uh-huh, yeah. I think um, most people who have a Switch actually bought Mario Kart as well. So it's uh, terribly in vogue again, so. Oh, well, I mean, it's a great game. Has yeah, it ever yeah, really yeah. been not popular? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's it's, just a fun game. Yeah, it's fun. Everybody loves it. You have yeah, to be a horrible fun. person not to enjoy Mario Kart. Oh my gosh. Put all those people on an island. <laughs> Let them fight it out. They can play PUBG for the rest of their days. <laughs> Take that. Anyway, um, yeah, some people wouldn't mind that though. So no, I'm, I'm generally a, a fan of racing games, especially the more crazy out there ones. Yeah. But uh, I mean, one of my favorite games of all time, I think is probably Lego Racers. That was a game I had so much fun with as mm. a kid building my own cars and all that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. But um, yeah, and of course you got the power-ups and things like that. It was a little bit of a rip-off of, uh, of Mario Kart, <laughs> but uh, you know, there you go. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I would say that even though I'm a fan of those games, I, I don't find that any of them really grab my attention mm -hmm. yeah. any, uh, you know, any more often than once every few years. And even the ones that do grab my attention, it's a little bit like the fighting games that I find myself interested in and watching some videos of on YouTube and then never buying. Okay, so so what is the last fighting game then that you enjoyed? Oh, see, now that's a segue. Yeah. That right there is a segue. Um, showing you how it's done, man, in 2018. Ah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so what I was going to say, and I, I actually had a game in mind when I started this segue, uh, and that was Injustice 2. Injustice so, 2, right. Okay. Yes. I'm kind of kind of interested in the idea of a superhero fighter more than a realistic fighter like you know virtua fighter or something like that because while virtua fighter is very technically excellent and it, it really is um i again much like racing games i like the more extreme wild unrealistic examples right up until you get to the point of really cartoony games like the Naruto or the, the Dragon Ball Z ones. Oh yeah. 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 That's I right. just can't quite get into those. Those are indeed fighting games. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think of those, but they definitely fall into that category. Yeah. It's the anime fighting games. <laughs> yeah. It's almost its own subgenre. Yeah. But uh, no, it is. Yeah, I don't know. It is. I, I found that I never really got into those as much. Um, but my history of fighting games is mostly soul caliber. Um, or Super Smash Brothers, if we can include that in the in the oh yeah definitely my, I would I would definitely say that's a fighting game for sure yeah but I I would definitely say that that is to fighting games what Mario Kart is to racing games absolutely yeah I, it's I really think that they have mastered that pseudo conversion of a of a genre yeah in I think both cases Smash Bros is probably the most popular fighting game of all time yeah arguably as a franchise yeah as a franchise for sure yeah yeah. I mean, maybe Street Fighter has more of a, a technical following. Yeah. I'm, I mean, and there's a very, yeah, it's, like a very it's passionate probably Street following. Fighter and Smash Bros is the two most popular in both respective categories. So casual and, yeah. and hardcore. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because I would not say that Smash Bros is a, a hardcore game. No, absolutely in not. Most circles. There, there is a hardcore following, which is very interesting. But um, no, all of yeah, all of, of my funny. fighting game experience comes from Smash Bros. And um, uh -huh. I only played the most recent Smash Bros. on the Wii U, and that's it. And I, I played for maybe two hours and a half of that game. Um, so which with a friend Smash Bros. was that? So that's Super Smash Bros. Was it Brawl? I think it's just called Super Smash Bros. Right. Okay. So that would have been that would have been post Brawl then. Yeah, because Brawl. Brawl was the game that everyone kind of loved and hated. Well, there was the first one, which was just Super Smash Brothers. Then there was Super Smash Brothers Melee. That was probably my favorite one in the series. Yes. So I don't have a lot of experience with uh, fighting games at all. I've never really been into them, I guess, but that's just because I haven't tried many at all. I've played maybe 15 minutes of the Persona fighting game. There's a spinoff called Persona Arena. Oh wow! That's okay. a spinoff of the of, of Persona Four. They have all kinds of weird spinoffs. 
in the Persona <laughs> series, man. They have yeah. dancing games and they also have uh, arena fighting games. So yeah. So just very strong brand identity. I very guess. strong brand identity. And for some reason they mm -hmm. pull it off. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a big fighting game player. I'm, I'm very much a casual. Um, I was the, the guy in your group of friends who, whenever you were around at his house, would immediately fire up the GameCube and be like, "Okay, we're all gonna we're all gonna beat on each other for a couple of hours now." Okay, <laughs> and uh, that that was kind of that was kind of my thing, and I really enjoyed playing that. Um, the other game that I've been into a lot more is uh, Soul Calibur, and one of the really the big thing that drew me to Soul Calibur was the mm -hmm. idea that everybody has weapons, and because they have weapons, it makes their fighting styles really different and much more extreme and diverse when compared to each other. So you'd get, you know, the the character who has the crazy whip sword and it can turn into a bunch of little fragmented blades and, you know, she can throw clouds of them at you and stuff like that. And then you would have the person with the gigantic ring blade weapon thing with all these like flowing rotating moves. And then you had, you know, various other things um, like Yoshimitsu, who's just literally an insane wooden puppet or something. I don't know. But um, he's the Japanese character, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. But um yeah, I just the the thing that really drew me to that game again was the the sheer extremity of the combat. See, I really enjoyed that. That's one of the things that I've seen on videos of fighting games in general. Um, mm -hmm. Especially recently, there's also some superhero fighting games as well, and they're very creative in their finishing moves and in their move sets. So I think that's really cool. Um, I yeah. think I would actually somewhat enjoy the genre if I played more games, more of of the genre at least. Um, yeah. But I just haven't gotten around to to playing many of them. But I think it's a very interesting genre. But I, it's probably also a genre that you get tired of relatively quickly. At least that was the experience that I had with the limited amount of Super Smash Bros. that I played. Is after a while, you've been mashing those buttons, and you kind of grow tired of it. You know what it is? I think this is very much when you're interested in that kind of gameplay. And it strikes you in that way that gives you that Moorish itch to master it. You can get really, really deep in that game. But if you don't have that connection with it, then it just doesn't do that for you. And maybe actually going back to like football games and things like that, maybe that's why some people really like those. Or maybe they're just fanboys of the, the sport in real life. I don't know. But um, Yeah, I think I've also been spoiled by many of the more modern games that offer a variety of things to do. And that are not mm -hmm. monolithic mm -hmm. in their kind of experiences or their gameplay loop. Most yeah. most of the the big games um, in the in the past decade have all been moving more to a more open worldish approach. Uh, even yeah. even God of War fell victim, quote unquote, victim to it lately, um, mm -hmm. which at its core is a very different game. And there's a lot of different things to do. And, and I think that's what breaks it for me. That's why I'm not really that attracted to it. Mm -hmm. Right. See, I, I got the feeling from the way most people have talked about God of War that it really pulled off what it was trying to achieve. It seems to have had a very strong idea of what it wanted to do and did that. And there are some things around the edges that add variety and depth to that experience. But at its core, it seems to want to provide a very specific experience and tell a very specific story and it pulled that off really well that was the impression that i got from most of people most of the people mm -hmm. who played it it is easily the best god of war game yeah okay by a huge margin i haven't really played it unfortunately i don't have i don't have the budget i i platinumed but, the game uh last week yeah i remember that um and i will tell you this the open world component of the game is by far the worst component of the game. And when I say the <laughs> open world component, I mean yeah. not the environment, not the, the exploration that you can do, but I mean the classic mm, okay. collectibles part of yes. the game where you have yes, to hunt yes, down yes. all of the ravens and um, mm -hmm. es especially the collectibles. I find those not very enjoyable. And of course, you have to do those to quote unquote complete platinum the game that's the thing i left over uh, to do the last but as far as everything else even the side quests and the the optional boss battles were all excellent mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i think what kept me really from not growing too tired with that game is that is exactly what i said before it's the variety so there was um, when i was too bored from from fighting the tough enemies i could just explore a little bit you know find out some of uh, the side quests i hadn't completed yet um, oh cool 
if, if the combat was getting too hard, I could just try the next day and, you know, do something else. Mm -hmm. um, the story was excellent. Uh, but, it, you know, not to turn this into a, uh, a God of War podcast. I think it's fair to mention anything. So fighting games. Um, I don't know, man. I kind of feel like we left fighting games behind for good reason. I know. Um, the last thing that I was going to say about it really yeah. was just that when you get into it on that technical level and you have that, uh, that Moorish itch to master a game, it really is something that keeps you playing it over and over and over again. Some people are more susceptible to that, I think, than others. And with fighting games in particular, that's much more of a niche interest. Um, I've been watching a guy on YouTube recently who plays a lot of Injustice along with Mortal Kombat and various other things. But the, the gameplay I really enjoy watching is, is Injustice because the, all the different characters are superheroes and various other people from various fighting games. Some of the Mortal Kombat characters are even in there. But the one of the things I really like about this game uh, is the variety of mechanics that are, are present in it. So, for example, you have a lot of ways of breaking combos. So you don't just get single comboed to death like can happen in a lot of games. There are various ways out of that. But what I started off saying was when you uh, when you get to that point where you really want to master it, I felt an element of that in Smash Bros, where you had the dodge and you had the shield, and those were kind of different from each other, and they were both kind of interesting. And then you had the different movesets for the different characters, and you had the different terrain, the different arenas that you could fight in. And uh, yeah, I just I got to that point where I had a few characters I really enjoyed playing, and enjoyed playing really well with them to the point where I enjoyed that mastery process. And it got to a point where I played the game more than, than other people because I enjoyed it that much. And then I got better than them. And then they didn't want to play against me anymore. And you would have to do the bribery thing where you're like, oh, but I won't play my best <laughs> character. I won't. Yeah. Oh, please, please play with me. I've been practicing for so long. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just got to that point. But yeah, I can understand why that appeals. For me, it was Smash Brothers. For a lot of other people, it might be other games. But um, I did actually want to say one thing about uh, Injustice, uh, particularly Injustice 2. And this makes me kind of sad because I would hate, hate to see really interesting fighting games with a lot of really good ideas and mechanics going into them like Injustice 2, but Injustice 2 has, I don't know if this is the very first game to do it, but it's the first one I've come across to start using gear stats on your characters. So hold on. Do you mean that if you have different outfits and stuff that your characters are either stronger or weaker? I mean, precisely that. Okay. So... So basically, if I play the game for a thousand hours and I unlock all the legendary gear for this character, I can equip the same moveset as you, because one of the things that you can do is change some of the moves that a character has. Okay. But, um, which, which I think that by itself is a good thing. Yes. But you and I can have the same moveset, but if I have better gear, I will beat you twice as hard and I will take half the damage. Okay. Yes. That is, um, that's pretty bad. Yeah. That's not balanced. No. I think that's really bad. And it's very disappointing that that happens in a game like that because I think the caliber of game design is superb. The idea that every character in every match has two health bars and when your first health bar goes, it's called your armor. When your armor goes, the fight is kind of reset for a moment and whoever breaks your armor gets to have this little taunt that they do, which is cool. So they get to feel all big and strong and everything, but it breaks up the fight, which means you don't get one comboed. And there are also different other mechanics, like there's a mechanic called a clash that you can do if you're in the middle of getting comboed. Um, it shows you the amount of health that you've lost continuously, and at any point you can activate a clash, which allows you to potentially regain that health by spending your like combo resource, which means that you won't be able to use as many special moves after that. But on the other hand, you might gain back 80% of your life bar if you successfully clash. So there are a lot of defense mechanisms against the the really balance breaking problems that some fighting games have. Yeah, so it won't it won't be most people won't feel like they're getting curb stomped by somebody who's much more skilled at the game than they are or someone who has higher stats. Yeah, or yeah, okay. <laughs> so there are protection mechanisms in place there. Okay, yeah. But I think if it was a game like Mortal Kombat and you had the gear stats, it it would it would get stupid very fast. Is there a way to negate the the stats? I believe that the stats are negated if you play ranked, okay. but I'm not actually sure. I know that if you play casual matches, you have to deal with gear stats. And the guy that I've been watching recently, 
he's gotten to a point, I think, where he's very frustrated because just frustrated with the game in general. Not that he's like, oh, I'm losing. I hate this. It's more like he's pretty good at the game and he can appreciate when other people beat him by using skill. And he's generally very good about, you know, being modest and being fair and saying, oh, wow, I, I overextended on that. Man, you really punished me. Good job. Good job. Um, you know, things like that. Being really positive and, and showing good sportsmanship. But he gets really frustrated when he just looks at this character that he's playing against and he's like, you have like 6,000 defense. What am I supposed to do against that? And you watch him play and he's consistently outplaying his opponent. And his opponent is doing these, you know, the cheese things. If you've ever had a friend who had a fighting game and he would play that one character that has a really cheesy combo that just requires a ridiculous amount of good play to get around it yeah. for a ridiculous low effort to do it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So the cheese combo. And basically he's playing against people who are just doing cheese combos and he's having to outplay this person so hard. And yet you're watching almost no damage go on that character. And then if he ever gets caught out, it's like a third of his health bar just goes immediately. And you're like, well, yeah. This is actually a topic I think I want to dive into with you um, in a specific separate episode. One all about difficulty and balancing. Yeah, and like fail-safe mechanics and things like that, yeah. And examining good ways and bad ways and, and you know, experiences we've had, good and bad, with uh, different difficulty levels. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, definitely. And how, how difficulty is implemented as well. Yes. Because you have difficulty in games like Doom and you have, yeah, I think that would be a really good... Really good topic. So that's something to uh, look forward to, listeners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here we are, teasing once again. Oh. Ooh, yeah. yeah. We're getting good at that. Okay. So. Yeah, I know, right? Why don't we um, start ending this episode by uh, mentioning the last genre or um, kind of game? All right, ladies and gentlemen. So I would just like to introduce all of you to one of my all-time most played genres. I wasn't sure that we were going to be talking about this today, but the MOBA. Yes, indeed. So we're talking about League of Legends. We're talking about Dota or Defense of the Ancients, uh, Heroes of New Earth, uh, the recently deceased Paragon from Epic Games, which I hope will be resurrected by someone since all of the game assets have apparently been released for free for anyone to use. Anyone who has the Unreal Editor can just dive in and use that. So that's a bit of a PSA for any anyone who's interested in producing a kind of different MOBA. There it is. Um, Smite, of course, is another one. Although, I mean, I have, I have memed about the balance in Smite many a time. Um, but there it is. I think, yeah, the balance is somewhat disappointing. In that game. Okay, so do you mind if I just carry this one away? I'm going to define MOBAs and go from there. Is that is that fair? I think that's fair. I was I was going to ask which ones have you played of all of those. Okay, so I have put more than ten hours into Dota Two, League of Legends, Paragon, definitely Smite, unfortunately, and I think that's it. I've never played Heroes of New Earth. Or we've definitely played Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, yeah, we've definitely played Heroes of the Storm more than ten hours as well. Actually, that's another one. I'm not a big fan of that game, though. I've got to confess. Anyway, so I would say that the general principles of a MOBA. It used to be that you could say it was a top-down, but that has changed a lot. Smite is a third-person, and so was Paragon. Yes, there's there's been variations for sure. Yeah. Yeah, both of those games were definitely third-person with a, a very typical orbiting camera kind of viewpoint. Mm -hmm. But um, I, would, I would say that the key elements of MOBA are generally speaking the concept of some kind of base or objective that needs to be taken or, or attacked or defended against the other team. Usually MOBAs are symmetrical to a high degree and the gameplay is focused on a hybridization of action and strategy, which is one of the reasons that I think the genre has it really hit a very high degree of popularity at one point uh, with the ability-based gameplay that we're now seeing become so popular in other games like Rainbow Six Siege or possibly even more famously Overwatch, of course. The the hero game, uh, I think, was really born from the MOBA genre. And it's this idea that your hero, they have attacks, they have hit points. These things are quite common in a lot of games, but most importantly, they have hero powers that are unique to them and the combination or the different abilities that they have allow them to play in a very different way. Yes, it's kind of interesting. 
we went from Warcraft to Dota to the genre, and then we got hero shooters. So we have Starcraft and and Warcraft to thank for Overwatch in a way, which is a, an interesting thought. That is an interesting thought. Yeah, and all of it was Blizzard. Yay, Blizzard! Yeah, they have been、uh, very successful. I would say they've been a lot more appreciated、uh, in the days before they got married to Activision as well. That、uh, that abusive husband is a real pain in the butt. But、uh, anyway, there we are. I I personally have only played、um, I want to say League of Legends for there was a a good year that I played League of Legends consistently. This was after my、uh, honeymoon period with StarCraft was over, and there a lot of my friends were all migrating to other games, and specifically a bunch went over to do some League of Legends. So I said, okay, I'll hop in. I was not a big fan when I first started playing. Then I、uh, start to understand the genre a bit better, and I had some casual fun. I was never a hardcore player. And then I also tried a few of the other spinoffs that you mentioned, like Smite. Smite didn't do much for me. <laughs> yeah. At your、um, at your advice, I also tried Paragon, but that also wasn't really something that I enjoyed. Um, yeah, I know. We played that a, was much more of my my pet game that I really wanted to see become something great and never quite. Yeah,、did. I thought it was visually very very pretty. Yeah, but the general mechanics of a MOBA game are kind of wasted on me, to be honest.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in that way, I enjoyed Heroes of the Storm a little bit better than than the other games, but I think my favorites still is is League of Legends. I've never tried Dota. Um, because I'm terrible at last hitting, and、um, as far as I understand, Dota is even more、um, punishing if you are bad at last hitting. Is that would you say that's fair?、Uh, no, I would not say that's fair in the least、um, for a number of reasons. But I, I think the the overview is basically that if you're bad at last hitting in in MOBAs. You should probably play a MOBA either where last hitting is not important, like Heroes of the Storm, or you should play a role that does not require you to do a lot of last hitting in a game that、uh, that does value last hitting. And I would say that Dota has has much more much more versatility in its roles because I would say it's a much more specific breakdown of how you play the game than League. League is a lot more broad, whereas I would yeah like. I don't know. I, I want to say that League is is the mace, where Dota is the scalpel, essentially. But yeah, moving on to your point. See, I was a terrible player. I wanted to play eighty eighty carry, <laughs> but I couldn't.、Yeah. <laughs> it was really bad at last hitting.、Um, I don't. I don't think you would like eighty carry, even if, because eighty carry in a game like that is not about. And this is where the strategy side really comes into it. Eighty carry is you spend the first. Twenty-five, thirty minutes of the game,、Farming. doing nothing but farm, yeah, yeah. and then at the end, you stomp out of the jungle, like fifty feet taller than everyone else, and you're just like, "I'm ready to begin the match now." <laughs> and everyone else is like, "Ah!" That's the part I enjoyed. <laughs> if if we yeah, could get、exactly. there,、um, well, yeah, yeah. My wife、uh, Emmer is a lot like that too.、Mm. That was her role. <laughs>、yeah. She likes to play the carries. <laughs> I liked.、So. Um, Some of the more closer matches that I played, I thought were really fun. When the late game becomes really important, because then it's all about positioning as well, and yeah, and timing, and timing exactly.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is by far the most exciting aspect of the of the of a MOBA,、uh, of the MOBA genre in general. But my biggest pet peeve with the with the genre is that the games just take too long to get started, yeah, to to get running, to、um, you know. Well, I think that's it. In order to make room for strategy, you have to have time. Yes. And when you have that much、that's、time,、true. the games do tend to drag on. They they tend to drag on, and that was the biggest problem that I had with、uh, with the genre in general because I was used to playing StarCraft matches, and those could be very short. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah,、um, that's a rough transition.、Uh, most of them were very short. No,、um, to be fair,、um, even. With a very few exceptions, a StarCraft game would not usually be longer than twenty minutes, twenty twenty five if you were doing a really cool battle.、Um, mm-hmm. But most battles end fairly quickly. Most matches are over fairly quickly, and then a MOBA game is twice that, right? So it can last upwards to fifty fifty minutes, maybe even longer.、Mm-hmm. But that's a、mm-hmm. rarity, right? It, it yeah, doesn't really, it doesn't usually go well, longer than fifty minutes. 
Uh, I would say the minimum match length you can expect is 20 minutes, and the maximum you can expect is probably an hour. Yeah. Really. That was my general experience. And I found that most games, at least in League of Legends, for me, were about 45 minutes on average. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that but was... that's one of the things. They they do have generally faster acceleration mm-hmm. in in League of Legends compared with Dota. Yeah. But again, I, w- I feel that Dota is a little bit more strategically dependent to the extent that if you outplay your opponent by catching them off guard and they do not compensate quickly enough, you can basically win the game in 25 minutes, no problem. Yes. Um, but then that's still 25 minutes fast yeah. in uh, in Dota compared with your 25-minute longest possible game, Yes. yes generally definitely. speaking, in, in StarCraft. Yeah. I found one of the, the, the biggest issues that I had with the game when I was starting out was just being overwhelmed by the massive roster of heroes. It's very daunting to start the game when there's 50 or more champions or heroes or whatever you want to call these characters that are running around on the battlefield and to learn all of their abilities and to know what each of them does and what kind of scenarios you would use them in. As It's, it's not a noob-friendly game at all. No. Um, and, no. Uh, in uh, in the words of one of my favorite mentors, I think he's a fantastic teacher. He does he has a, a great job of calmly and simply laying out very complex ideas. And this, of course, is Purge. Um, a lot of people who play Dota learned a lot from him. Um, he's a semi-pro player himself. But he made a video for new players, and it is entitled quite – this is a fantastic introduction. Welcome to Dota 2, you suck. <laughs> And that's, that is, it's exactly what you're talking about. The the learning curve is impossible. Sorry, I was uh, trying to add to your point and ended up uh, hijacking it just a little bit. I apologize. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, so yeah, that is, uh, that is my experience with uh, MOBA games. Um, I, I enjoyed my time with them, um, but uh, I've never truly loved them as much as I love my RTS games. So I never spent as much time in a, in a MOBA game as you did, because you have a lot of hours clocked on Dota, right? On Dota 2? Uh, yeah, more than 2,000 hours, like 2,500 hours or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you could you could say it's probably one of my, my favorite genres ever. Um, and specifically, Dota 2 is, is the one that I've really played the most. Um, Smite, Smite is fun for casual play, but I would... <sighs> I would never play it for extended periods because it's just it's just not balanced. It just isn't at all. Um, every now and again, you'll jump in and find that your preferred range of heroes, one or two of them are ridiculously OP, and you're just like, okay, you know. So do I want easy mode or do I not want easy mode? <laughs> That's basically, basically the question. But um, yeah, as far as MOBAs go, I have a lot of fun. One of the things I really like is the technicality. You find it daunting. I like the fact that you need to learn every hero and all of their abilities. And once you do that, you have a huge resource to call on to outplay people with. That's basically why I only played League of Legends is because once I mastered that game, well, I, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once, once you're experienced. Once I knew the basics. So once I knew all the characters and their abilities and the generic strategies that come with certain characters that are being picked, um, then you can enjoy the game and it's fun and you can keep going and you can play hours and on hours uh, of the game and it's fun. But it also makes trying out other games in the same genre, so other MOBAs, much more difficult because at a certain point I actually tried the, the tutorial level of Dota 2 and, and I was just faced with this absurd new roster of heroes and i just said you know what i'm gonna stick to what i know and i went back to league of legends so i think for most people probably if they choose dota first they'll probably stick to that and if they choose league first they'll stick to that game um just as i did uh, just as i did you just feel like you have to learn the whole game all over again yeah so i mean really the rise and fall of that genre is the degree to which it promotes uh, brand loyalty yeah at any given moment, I think League of Legends is still the number one streamed game on Twitch or like the most watched game. It's certainly one of the top ones, yeah. I, I looked earlier today and I, I was kind of curious, like what games are very popular? And it's uh, it's it's up there with, of course, Hearthstone uh, and, and, and games like those. 
But yeah. Um, I don't understand why Hearthstone appeals to people. I really, that's another one that's just weird for me. Yeah. I have a lot of problems with Hearthstone. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. A lot. But that's another podcast. That's another podcast indeed. So yeah, there's one more thing. I wrote down here, esports in general um, is very much tied to MOBAs. Uh, also to, and various other things. And, yeah. and various other games, of course. But um, it's I, th- I thought it was interesting to see League of Legends esports kind of fade a little bit. And now we are getting these shooters again, like Rainbow Six Siege and Overwatch, which are, I guess, easier to digest uh, mm-hmm. for people. But I, I really like esports, and I, I like the competitive nature of esports. Yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because all of the genres that we have discussed so far are kind of a bit competitive, right? Sports games yeah. are competitive. Fighting games are very competitive. Um, racing games are competitive, of course. And then the MOBA uh, has, you know, to me, MOBA games have always been linked in my mind to esports. Like the m- I think in a lot of ways they popularized mainstream esports. I think, I think they so came, too. They came around at the, at the right time they were complex enough that when people were into them, they were really into them and they had a big enough player base. They were new enough and fresh enough an idea. And when that kind of converged with the growing esports concept, that just blew up. I, th- I really think that they just happened to be around at the same time because esports in general has grown a lot since MOBAs and MOBAs are in decline now, but esports is definitely on its way up. It's still growing. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of an interesting one that really MOBA was kind of the elevator genre for esports in a lot of ways. I mean, there was always always um, Counter-Strike and things like that. But yeah, I, I think like you're saying, there are a lot of things that are easier to digest now. And with the MOBA craze kind of being over, a lot of people want something they can watch and understand a bit more casually. But I still think that, um, yeah, I don't like MOBAs still have a big presence, I guess. And like one of the things that is really big in the MOBA industry is these huge uh, championships. So you've got like the international, you've got um, worlds, I believe it is for League of Legends and of course, various other things. But yeah, I don't know. What about what about other? I mean, are there really big, like really big publicity for other championships? I mean, StarCraft, yes, I know. StarCraft has uh, somewhat become... Uh, well, somewhat a lot less popular. It's it's being watched a lot less than it was. I think it was mm-hmm. at its height in uh, 2012, 2013, I think maybe. Uh, that's when I watched a lot of StarCraft. Um, that's when the tournaments were really popular and the production values were really out there. I think StarCraft by far was the original esports game, the one that popularized it all, um, mm-hmm. at least you know, excellent production values and getting a pro- professional casters and a lot of the people yeah. involved in the casting and the production of those games um, are still involved or have moved on to other esports games. So it's, it's very interesting stuff. Um, but I really enjoy it, enjoy watching it. Well, at least I did enjoy watching it. I haven't watched a lot recently because I don't like to watch MOBA games uh, on stream competitively. (laughs) And then StarCraft's popularity has just waned a bit. I personally Mm -hmm. don't play StarCraft any longer. I played it for a good chunk for like a good five years or so. I've been doing other stuff. Uh, You know, maybe I've been working on this podcast. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called XP Gains. Oh, yeah. I think I I think I heard of that somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, it's been taking up a little bit of my time. So, yeah. And then all these other games, you know. When I, when I got yeah. a job, that's, uh, I, you know, I, I used to watch a lot when I was in college. And then when I, when I got a job, I said, you know, time to expand my video games library. <laughs> and uh, I started playing all kinds of, um, you know, different genres, which is, of course, uh, one of the reasons why I can sit here and talk about um, a variety of genres. Okay, well, I feel like that pretty much wraps it up for our... I, yeah, we're calling this one the janitor's waltz because this is really the beginning of the cleanup for the last few genres in our What We Love About Video Games series. We didn't want to leave these out because we do play them. We are a fan. We are fans, plural, of these genres, but it really takes one game every now and again to grab our attention and really and really capture our interest for a long period of time. 
Um, racing games are something we both enjoy. Fighting games are something we enjoy off and on. Sports games are something we don't generally like, but we appreciate in a kind of more distant way. MOBAs are something I'm really into. And uh, StarCraft and a little bit more of the other kind of slightly more strategy competitive games are something that uh, Silver, I think, does better at than myself. But um, on the whole, I think we both really enjoy these genres when they come about and they just hit that sweet spot. So the janitor's waltz is really just cleaning up these last few genres and trying to group everything together. Um, I hope that you have enjoyed the episode. Uh, We both want to thank you for listening as always. Anything you'd like to add, Mr. Silverstrike? No, I don't think there's anything specific I want to add. I think um, this has been a very interesting breakdown of uh, what's left. Yeah, um, I think we had to talk about a lot of things that we wouldn't normally talk about. So it's kind of interesting to see how that played out. And as much as we might not be into these genres, uh, there will be other people who really love them. And I think that's, see, that's one of the most beautiful things about the gaming industry is there's so many genres. I mean, even when we go through our janitor's waltz and we finish up our genres, we'll only have covered a variety of genres. We'll have missed a bunch and there's all these kind of games that you can't really easily put in one or not even in, in multiple of these categories. So it's it's really yeah. difficult to do. And Very we're true. we've been winging it as we are going along right now. So I want to thank you listeners for your patience with us. Um, and we hope, of course, that you enjoyed the episode and uh, we will be back for I think uh, if we've uh, guesstimated correctly, uh, then we will be doing two more episodes and then we will be uh, done with the janitor's waltz and we'll be covering other topics that I think will be very interesting. But uh, yeah, I don't want to tease too much, of course. Um, Yeah. And if you are interested in being teased, you can uh, make sure that you go through our previous episodes that we've already done over the last few because we've, we've talked about a lot of topics and touched on a few things that really caught our attention. There will be certain moments I'm sure that you catch on to and you're going to go, uh, yeah, these guys are probably going to do more on this in the future. You would probably be right. Let me just say that. So if you are interested in some much more technical discussion and things like that, we're going to be doing more than just our opinions on various genres in the near future. We hope that you will join us again for those. As uh, Mr. Silverstrike, of course, said, thank you very much for listening through this episode, even though these are not things that we're super into and may not be that passionate about. We hope you found something that did maybe pique your curiosity or give you something else to think about with your favorite genres, if these are your favorite genres. Um, And as always, thank you very much for listening. And wherever you are in the world, we'd both like to wish you a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Goodbye, everybody.